Welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast, episode 81. We've got a good selection of Premier League games to get through tonight. We've also got some excitement happening in Italy, as always, and all the drama of a De Classica between Bayern and Borussia Dortmund in Germany. We'll get to it all. Uh, Tommy's on the other end of the line, as usual. Uh, how you doing, man? Hi. Everything's great, Sam. I have no complaints. How are you? I never really ask how you are. Fantastic. You know? Boys be winning, you know? We're up and about. We're up and about. How about you? You're winning? Leeds winning? They won their up. Did they that win? didn't take long. We deliberately left it off of the run sheet tonight. Because I have no, no interest in talking about Leeds United. It's on my sheet right in front they, of me here. They cease to exist as a functioning football club right now. Do you want me to stricken it from my record here in front of me? Let's let's ban it. Let's let's start banning words and burning books and while we're at it, disbanding the Leeds United Football Club. Save me from this pain, this pain of mediocrity. Okay. All right. Maybe it will help if we just start talking about other games first. Maybe. Have you seen the results this weekend? Yeah. An interesting round. Uh, what What do you make of it? What's your pick of the week? Like what's... I think overall, like, I know you, you meant like a singular game, but overall the, the pick is kind no, of... No, just anything, any moment or... It's, was... It was a weird week. There was kind of, I think there was like a theme reemerged this week where like the Super League five, because I guess Arsenal played Liverpool, all asserted their dominance in one way or another. They all picked up maximum points. And the top six is starting to look, or the top five is starting to look more like you'd expect. Um, and so for me, the kind of, it's, they've asserted themselves quickly going into the World Cup break in like five weeks. I thought, like a really cool Premier League season would have been, you know, Brighton further up the table, the surprise packets like Fulham or Bournemouth, which we'll get to being a little bit further up the table. But at this point, it's like, ah, oh, shit, they're going to go into this break with a comfortable lead. And then it's going to be all hell will break loose mid-table and beyond. Yeah, for all the piss-taking we've done about um, Tottenham, Chelsea and United at times, they're now sitting third, fourth, fifth behind City and Arsenal. So yeah. the only one really that's uh, languishing, is that the word? Great word. Yeah. <laughs> is, uh, Great use of it. Down in 10th is Liverpool. Languishing and all Liverpool. of a sudden, all of a sudden after we, you know, we're on Newcastle's back about only having one win, but making a whole bunch of noise. And now they've got two in a row. Um, yeah. It's, it's shaping up interesting. That would probably be, I didn't see a lot of it, but that would be the result that stood out to me from the weekend was Newcastle 5, Brentford 1. That's, you know, a game last season was definitely toe-to-toe, like neck-and-neck. You'd think it would be closer, could go other way. Uh, but Newcastle are starting to dispatch sides in the middle to the top half of the middle, of, of the top half of the bottom of the table, if you know what I mean, between like 9th to 13th. And so they're really looking like the 7th place side this season as well. They've still only lost one game, right? Yeah, they've only got the one loss, I believe. Just checking it again. Yeah, they've only got the one loss. They have five draws. Mm. So Drew to know. City. That, like, that's a pretty handy point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I do want to do Newcastle. Maybe we'll do them next week because uh, I still haven't got... I didn't get around to seeing them this week again. And they had a big win. I think we should cover them. But maybe next week, if they... Hopefully, they get another win and... I say hopefully, I don't really care, but, you know, <laughs> I'm sure just Newcastle so, fans care. We can give it some justice, do it, do it in some positive yeah. detail. Otherwise, it's just us hanging shit on them for no reason. Yeah, but they did they did pump Brentford 5-1. Um, That's a good result. 
It's good result. Going going chronologically through the games, I guess we'll just start going through them. Also that night, um, oh sorry, I was just going to say before as well before we got into it. Um, my thing that I noticed from this week was maybe, I don't know, there seemed a lack of Premier League interest. I I don't I think it's just being that we're in Australia and we're used to having we usually get an early game at like nine o'clock. And then when daylight savings kicks in, they tend to move back to like an 11 o'clock or whatever. Uh, we didn't even get that this week. There was no early fixture. You had to wait till 12.30 in God's country in Adelaide. You had to wait till 12.30 a.m. to catch a uh, a.m.? To uh, <laughs> to catch a... <laughs> My brain is still did... fried. I thought you were just checking if I was here. I was like, yeah, yeah, a.m. Yeah, that sounds yeah. about right. Um, yeah, 12.30 a.m. We had to wait for Premier League games to kick off and then there was like four or five on at once. And I don't it's know, just, it, it's hard to it's hard for lots of people to get into that because it's a late start. That's We're heading into the territory of people going to bed and then getting up to watch their team Yeah, on a this Saturday is, night, which is grim. Is, I know, this is kind of grumpy old men chat. Like by the time it's 12.30 on a Saturday, I'm, I'm either out and I'm enjoying myself to the point where I don't care that football's on or I'd like I'm asleep, I'm in bed. It's 12.30. Nothing's kept me awake until that point. And if you think, you know, Bournemouth Leicester or Chelsea Wolves is a reason for me to stay up, it's not, guys, it's not. I was I was still up. I was watching uh, Serie A, though. So, you know. Which, <laughs> perhaps, infinitely better league. <laughs> I was watching uh, Sassuolo and Inter, and it was a, it was a decent game. It was good. Um, so, yeah, going through them, Newcastle-Brentford, obviously 5-1. Man City spanked Southampton. Holland, the fraud, only got one. Um, but then oh, no, we wanted to off. we wanted to talk about Chelsea Wolves, I believe, because Chelsea won three 0 I think they deserve a bit of attention now. Um, we mentioned before about the table, how the top kind of five just really asserting it now. Chelsea now uh, a few wins in a row, and that big win midweek against Milan in the Champions League, uh, where they they're pretty poor from Milan, but that's another story. Um, Chelsea were clinical and good enough. And then again, three 0 against a Wolves side that I thought might have a bit of a bounce back after losing their manager, but apparently not. Purring, aren't they? Purring under Potter. They're starting to go. Uh, and it's 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 still obviously he hasn't had a transfer window, so it's with that same group of players that Tuchel couldn't get this kind of tune out of. Um, it's Kai Havertz scoring headers. You know, it's Christian Pulisic getting in behind uh, after a really nice Mason Mount build up. All these kind of intricate movements and things that you would be expecting of these guys in the last year uh, are now turning around, but you know, maybe it could be the new manager bounce. There is something to say of how does uh, a manager like Graham Potter, who's not had an opportunity in this kind of spotlight, I suppose, how will he go when the inevitable slump comes? Cause you, you can't maintain this kind of performance all the time. Um, but yeah, you're right. They're very good. Yeah, they're good. They're just um I was really impressed with Pulisic's goal. That was a great finish. Um Armando Armando Broja. Broja? Broja. Broja. I'm gonna say Broja. Broja. Well the J uh he's Albanian, Balkan, so the J would be a wide sound, I reckon. So Bro- we'll go with Broja. Uh but he got his first goal for Chelsea. He's apparently been there since he was eight years old. Um and is now twenty one. That's his first senior goal for them. He moved to Chelsea. Eight years old. Uh yeah. It says he was it says he started off. He was at he had he a youth career at Tottenham and then was at Chelsea from 2009. And then he had a couple of loan spells to Vitesse in the Netherlands and Southampton. Mm-hmm. 
Remember him playing for Southampton. He was good at Southampton. He was yeah. scoring goals. Yeah. Uh, six goals and 32 for them in league games. And then, yeah, he's popped up here. He now plays for Albania, the national team, and he's got himself on the score sheet as a senior footballer for Chelsea. How, how does an Albanian child find themselves in London? Modern football, innit? Is he is he an orphan? Are they is that is that what these clubs are doing? They're just going down trying to find the most hard done by children and then morphing them into footballing robots. I don't ever want to go down the orphan joke route. <laughs> no, nah, it's not a joke. This, not is, a spe- pod. this is speculation. That's speculation. All. You're accusing an accusation, even. Yeah, potentially. Hey, don't make this liable. You're, this is 50 50, bro. Chelsea allegedly uh, recruiting <laughs> orphan children. They're out there trying to get Oliver Twists in to play football. <laughs> well, it do better than half of the English players that get a run in these, well, in these lower half teams. I tell you what, at well, least he'll, he came, have, he'll have hunger, Sam. He'll be hungry for the ball. He will. He came on, he scored, got his goal. Um, I'm still not convinced about this midfield of uh, having Loftus-Cheek started a lot of games. He has. I, yeah, I, don't, I don't know if uh, I'm not across Chelsea's squad well enough to know if they've had injury issues or anything there, but I'm not convinced Loftus-Cheek mm. is a... Uh, and the level of football that Chelsea need or want, I'm, no. I'm, I think he's overrated. No, I mean, there's no Kante. So when Kante's back, he goes straight back in there. And so this is just a requirement of depth, I think. And, you know, Loftus-Cheek is one of those guys now that's been through the academy at the club long enough where he should be able to be relied upon to fill this gap. And yeah, now we're seeing that potentially he's not and that, yeah, he's probably cut out more to be a Crystal Palace midfielder rather than a Chelsea midfielder. Yeah. Very good. Uh, Mason Mount got a couple of assists. Good for our fantasy team. And a segue. Uh, <laughs> we are we are yeah. lightning when it comes to transfers. We don't have Mount in our fantasy team, I don't think. Did we, we got nah, rid we, of him? We took we, him out. We, we took, took him, him out. out. Yeah. Um, we brought in Pascal Grobe. It's been really good. Yeah. Now that we're here, fantasy football this week, uh, Pique Blinder's still on top. Callum Miller. Well done. He's just sitting at the top of the pile. He's just... He can't be nudged off at the moment, and he's opened up a uh, what is it a forty-four point gap as well on that's uh, handy on our mate Brendan Simpkins, the new yep. the, the tune boy. Uh, he's opened up a bit of a gap on him, so the chasing pack's pretty tight. But Callum pulling away with it. The the weekly winner this week, highest score of the week, was eighty-nine points to Stephen Munro. His team Puyol pants down. Ooh, on the, the nose, Carlos Puyol. Mm-hmm. Pants down. I don't mind mm-hmm. that. I haven't heard that one before. Uh, yeah, it's be- good player once. Yeah, beats that. Joe, our mate Joe Romeo, still got murder <laughs> on Zidane's floor, which he's had for. You uh, are so filthy about Zidane this. retired. Uh, come on, give it a rest, mate. Find something new. Stephen Munro down in twenty first place got the highest points this week. He got eighty nine. I'm not sure anyone else even got in the eighties. So, uh, well done. He's charging up the leaderboard. There we go. Yep. Good week there, mate. Here we go. You really want the trophy, I tell you. Well done. All right, the next game I think we were going to cover, we've got uh, – I, I sent a message to a few different group chats asking, Leicester, I thought, were pretty good value for a multi this week away from home, having just absolutely pants Nottingham Forest last week. Maybe it just turns out Forest are absolutely gush. They could um, be that bad, yeah. Because Leicester, you know, lost to a Bournemouth side who all of a sudden after losing to Liverpool 9-0 – um, you know, got to come from behind win against Forest the other week, and now they've come from behind to beat Leicester. Um, 
They're making a charge. Yeah, Gary O'Neill is a genius. They should genius. have sacked. They should have sacked Parker years ago. The guy that needed is waiting all along. Years, Sam. He's, I haven't had him for years. Oh, who knows his history? The the way that they cycle through managers will be another one there in five weeks' time, anyway. Because Bournemouth are on the verge of being sold, apparently for billions of, of dollars, hundred and twenty millions, billions of something. And so these guys are about to become the new Premier League footballing giants, I think. No, I don't think so. But they're going to be another team that has solid investment and results like this, especially early on in the season, before this World Cup break, which is so important to all of these mid-table teams, to have asserted yourself as eighth now without splashing the cash, relying on players that brought you up like you know Ryan Christie and Philip Billing, the guys on the score sheet. That's this good work. This good work. Yeah, it is. I um, it's weird, isn't it? When you look at the table and you see like, for all the praise we've given Brighton, you know they're two points ahead of Bournemouth, and for, for like for all the shit we've given Bournemouth, they're two points away from each other, sitting in seventh and eighth. You know, and admittedly Brighton do have a game in hand, but um, it's just I don't know a couple of wins, and at this time of year, I guess with everyone still. Everyone's still kind of, uh, you know, around the 10, 10's like the average. So point mark. Yeah. Yeah. Like the table doesn't really mean shit right now, does it? No, it doesn't mean shit, but it's just interesting how, you know, you get a couple of couple of wins on the trot and uh, all of a sudden you can charge up a bunch of places while everyone yeah. battles out draws and losses here and there. And for, for a team like Bournemouth, these points are probably crucial though right now, I would say. They are definitely, definitely. As many points as you can get. Um, in the first half of the season, going into the, you know, the 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 wobbly end when you get into the last ten games, and if you're anywhere near relegation, you're scared of being sucked in. This is exactly the time you want to be amassing points. Um, but you know, the thing about the table is that's what feeds the manager pressure and the speculation and the sackings, and that's why you've had three sackings already, and that's yep. why Brendan Rodgers is under this much pressure, um, being on the reverse of this result. Because of the table, even though really if Leicester won two games, they would be out of relegation zone and actually looking not too shabby. So, yeah, they could two wins would at the moment would put them in 13th, you know, but obviously everyone else would be playing as well. But yeah, you know, um, we didn't cover Leicester last week because we recorded before their game against Forest and they came out and absolutely pumped him. James Madison turned it on. What a star he is. I love watching him play. James, yeah, I feel like he. He deserves better, but um, Leicester, no, no. Leicester are I, usually better, though, than this. I'll, I'll, I'll take you up on that. I think Jamads plays well in games where uh, the back four doesn't press in between the lines. And if he's got room to move, he's going to exploit the areas because he is a good footballer. But He's a good footballer. But in pressure situations or, as we've seen earlier in this season, where you know spaces have been tight, he hasn't been able to maneuver and work as effectively as he has in the past. And I think I just, I just question maybe, you know, there's a reason maybe he's not in the England squad because he isn't as good as the superstars in the Premier League. I don't know. Even, even throughout all their poor results, he's still racking up the goals and assists. So he's getting FBL points too. So yeah. So he, he is still playing so. well. I, uh, I don't understand how he's not in the England squad given their troubles. Um, I guess there may be more defensive troubles and they've got headaches in attack, but um, yeah, 
whatever. Yeah, we didn't cover Leicester last week, but that big win and then going into this week, I really thought they were I really thought they were just gonna breeze through Bournemouth, to be honest. Uh, maybe mm. that was naive of me to think that, but I I don't think very highly of Bournemouth. And they're sitting there now with three wins, three draws, three losses, and Leicester is still they've only got the one win, and that was the Forest game. There's seven losses. Yeah, that's it. Not even being able to get getting any draws. They're not even grinding out draws. They're getting they can they're leaking goals. You know they've they've conceded what are they? They've conceded twenty four goals, which is the most in the league, um, behind Bournemouth, who had a nine nil loss. So (laughs) yeah, exactly uh, ahead of Bournemouth, so who had a nine nil loss. So I I don't know what's going on there, but things got to change at Leicester. It's uh, it's a. Yeah, it's just the perfect storm at the moment. The inability to be able to spend, you know, the Fafana money properly and, you know, the lack of investment, I suppose, prior to that. You know, Rogers didn't really get any of the signings that he was after. No, they, weren't really, they didn't have time to spend the Fafana. Yeah, which would be, that's the most frustrating part. And, you know, you're going to go into a transfer window post-World Cup where price, already inflated prices are just going to go through the roof. It's... You know, or, a, a, it's a stagnated squad. They're they're still good enough to get out of it, right? I think so too. I was just going to ask you. You're in charge of Leicester. Do you keep Brendy? I do. Yeah, I think I do. I th- I don't think there's any way you get rid of him. It doesn't seem. It, it just seems like too much of a gamble to get rid of him. I think so too. I think um, you know, worst case scenario. They would, if they were to go down, I feel like you'd want someone like Brendan Rodgers to bring you up. Yes, but how hard would a team like Leicester fall if they did go down? That's right, because you would lose Madison, Barnes, Tillman straight away. Timothy then, Castagna probably as well. Yeah, and then you're you're kind of relying on the kids in a way, like Jamie Vardy could have one more breakout season in the championship. That would be fun, actually, seeing Jamie Vardy in the championship. Yeah, just racking up goals. Yeah, running headfirst into centre-backs would be awesome. But, yeah, there's a lot of players on the bench here that wouldn't even hang around. That would be – I think it would be catastrophic. And I'm not sure Rogers would hang around in the championship, yeah. would he? No. Yeah, probably not. That would be terrible. But, yeah, they, they started this game so well. The early goal, they were on top. It did look like the procession. So I don't think you were naive to think that Leicester were just – Sweet Bournemouth one side here. We're probably just undervaluing Bournemouth. <laughs> they they've got fight, I guess. <laughs> they just, I guess they uh they scrappy old Bournemouth. They find a way to scrap some goals in. I I still <laughs> I I don't know. I have them being one of the teams that will struggle to stay up, but they might just get away with other teams being really shit. You know? Hopefully, I mean, I thought they looked okay in the second half. They. They definitely got on top and they were deserving of the goals. They've got the a end. squad that I guess they're doing like the uh who was the other side that came up? Forest. Oh, Fulham. Fulham. Yeah. Where this time around Fulham have kept the same kind of squad together. Um, and that's what kind of Bournemouth have done. They've still got the same kind of squad they had last year that got them up. Mm. Which I think, you know, on over the years it looks like that's the way to do it. The way you yeah. stay up is to do it. Leeds. I just thought that. Brentford, Sheffield United, until they went down. But that yeah. first season they came up, they were electric. When Fulham came up with Parker, um, they did the same thing. They bought a bunch of players and it just didn't work. They finished bottom. No. They finished bottom. They got relegated. They got so, relegated. 
Yeah. Doesn't matter. Villa, Doesn't matter. when they came up, splashed the cash and were like one incorrect goal well, line decision. They got away, away with it relegated. because of that, yeah. that terrible VAR decision or lack of VAR decision. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, and Forrest obviously have bought 20 odd players and are, you know, unable to <laughs> function as a football team. Yeah, it is weird. Like Forrest watching them, they they have their moments where you're just like this, you know, they've got some guys that can play in that team, but they're just, something's not gelling there and it looks pish. Yeah, they look like flubber. Did they play this week? Have they played yet? No, they played uh, tomorrow. There's another game after we record this, I believe. Why are Forrest getting so many Monday night yeah, England they've games? Got, That's they've, got, they've got Villa. Uh, which will, by the time people hear this, they'll have played that game against Aston Villa at home. So they really uh, need some points. I'm going to go boring 1-1 draw. Yeah, I don't care. I'm not going to say anything. Um, <laughs> That's how little you give a shit. <laughs> right. it's, it's not even worth a score prediction. Nah. Brighton lost to Spurs. We're not going to do it. We've kind of done both clubs to death recently. Uh, if you want to hear about Brighton and Tottenham, go back and listen recently. It'll be mostly all positive about Brighton, mostly gash about Tottenham. But... Tottenham. True to the result. Tottenham just have, they have the individual players to win games like this, don't they? Like Son assist for Harry Kane. That's the story, isn't it? That's it. Yeah, the story yeah. is oldest time. Um, you want to talk about West Ham Fulham. You had an eye on this one. I did. Sunday night was the night where I got to tune in and I ended up watching like eight hours of Premier League football. Don't, don't ask me why. There's something seriously wrong with me right now. But West Ham, three. Get all the breaks as uh, Pereira and Fulham, uh, they take the bait, unfortunately. Big, you know, not a controversial moment, but definitely a game-deciding moment in awarding that penalty. Uh, the penalty where the striker, or, you know, it's the opposite centre-back, isn't it? It's, I think it's Dawson from West Ham up against uh, I'm not Pereira. sure who the Fulham player is, but yeah. I think it's Pereira. He ends up giving it away. Pere- Andreas Pereira, yeah. But the... The referee, countless times, how many, two, three, tells him to get off of him, get off of him, get off of him. He's a number 10. I don't know why your number 10 is marking one of the best threats in the air from the opposition either. It's a good point. It's a good point. There was no Mitro, so I guess they were kind of lacking in height potentially. Maybe there was two other other big men West Ham had up in there. So you you end up with a guy like that having to mark Dawson. But carry on because we're going to disagree over this penalty, aren't we? We are. I think we are going to disagree over this. Because the problem with uh, clashes in the box like this where attacking players uh, over defensive players, um, where they meet in the six-yard box on the penalty spot, you know, just jostling, arms over each other, harassing each other nonstop. Yeah, yeah. It's difficult to, for me, it's difficult to try and pick one as the culprit over the other. And I think in this circumstance... The referee had already done that prior to the foul being given. And so he establishes a situation where if anything, if any contact is made, there's going to be a penalty given. And then I think Dawson goes looking for it. <laughs> uh, no, I can't. I can't have it. I can't have it. I'm on board with it. He was told a couple of times to stop because Pereira's standing there. Like literally he's, someone had to come over as soon as the ref, like the second time the referee pointed it out to come over and just swap with him. Get someone else marking him. Like, clearly he's like, the ref's already warned him. He's And he's standing there. Not once is he ever looking where the corner's coming from, even when the referee tells him. And then the corner, or as you pointed out to me off air before, 
the contact is kind of before the corner's even been taken, so the ball's not really in play. But Dawson starts to run, and Pereira just kind of takes a step or two towards him and has never even looked to see where the ball might be. He's not even interested. He's just interested in blocking his run. I think the commentator had said he's, mm. his only interest was, block, was blocking the run. So I'm on board with it. I don't mind it. I think it happens too much and they don't get given. And I think especially when like, it's really frustrating when you see someone commit like what would be a blatant foul and the referee does that thing with his whistle where he blows it a hundred times, makes the corner wait, and then he goes in and he talks to both players and tells them to them stop. Up. And it's like, well, just wait for the corner to be taken and call the foul accordingly. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I'm uh, on board with it. I thought it was a penalty. I, I find I just I find it a difficult. It's a really unique situation in the corner because the defenders are generally always standing still, trying to mark mobile attackers, and so you've got to. But they don't have to be. What you want the defender. To, well, the so defender they you can want be the defenders one on one. to clear the six yard box. <laughs> no, well, the defenders can be they can be one on one marking, mm. or they can be zoning. And uh, Pereira's got himself kind of somewhere in between. I thought it was supposed to be a zonal setup, but it does look like he's the only one man marking someone. It's very weird. But that's the only thing I can think of why he wouldn't move from that area off of Dawson. Why you wouldn't swap because that's his position in the zonal space. It's, it's, I just I find it a, a tough one to consistently rule upon. Like you're not going to see those given every week. No, properly. you're probably you're probably. So I'd not. rather see I'd rather but see I none think, of them given. But I think you get a lot of them are much less um, obvious than this one. I think I feel it was a little too obvious. He just he'd been told, he'd been warned, and then for me, yeah. it's it's when players don't even like. Had he kind of got his body shaped differently? Um, it's all about the body shape. He's not like he's just standing there front on with him. He's not even like side on to where the ball might be coming from. So I think he's got it all wrong there. He's obviously not a defender's asshole, this guy. Um, <laughs> it's probably but what it boils like, down to. <laughs> when they're not even looking at the ball and he's clearly he's looking at him and then he just takes a step towards him and to the side as well, just to run into him. Like it's just it was just really naive and dumb from Pereira. Um usually I'd be on you, I'll be with you and say that players look for it too much and go down too easy because they do. But this is, uh, I don't know, he's just an idiot. He possibly I, did. I, I, dare say, yeah. I dare say Fulham will be looking at that and <laughs> he might be getting a bit of a workout in the defensive box at training <laughs> just to see or if they can improve that. Changing him completely, maybe putting him at the first man. <laughs> yeah. you, you can just guard that ball coming in, mate. Yeah, tough one. But rest of the game, you don't think uh, West Ham deserving of their win? 3-1. Potentially deserving, uh, I don't know. This is a knife's edge for me. I mean, Fulham could easily have won this game. I just, I felt like in the crucial moments, West Ham get the breaks in the penalty decision, you know, in a penalty that you don't see often given. And then uh, the Skamaka goal as well, which is kind of an interesting goal because he thinks he's offside um, and doesn't celebrate because of it. The Fulham defenders, are they're absolutely certain he's offside. Well, they're so um, they're they're all, nah, they're all pointing at their arms, saying handball. Oh, that's what they're calling. Yeah, they're calling yeah. handball, aren't they? Of course, because I think there's that one defender for Fulham is like at the at right back, I think, who keeps he's, him on side. And he knows he's the one he's, trying to step up. Yeah, he knows he's kept him on side. <laughs> he's like, oh Jesus, I'm the idiot. I'm the one getting blasted at training tomorrow. But uh, great finish. Uh, you know, the link up play between Pequeta and uh, Skamaka at the moment looks really fruitful and they are two new signings who, you know, maybe will be the ones that shoot West Ham out of their sorry position at the moment. 
Yeah, very, very happy with Skamaka. He's yeah. um, six goals in seven games, I think it is. I get that bias thing where if someone comes from Syria to the Premier League, I, you know, I get all chuffed and proud of them, like I'm their mum or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at my little boy. Yeah, oh, you didn't need the accent. Cut away. What are you doing? What are you doing? That was an affectionate accent. That's that's a shout out to all my nonnas <laughs> out there. So bad. Uh, but yeah, uh, not not just Skamaka, but the guy who got the assist, Lucas Paqueta, came mm-hmm. from. He had a stint at Milan as a youngster. He looked like he was going to be like a their next kind of number 10 thing. Um, Ronaldinho, didn't, perhaps. Didn't really work out, but. Um, yeah, he's found his way to West Ham and he's got an assist here. Uh, Skamaka, tidy finish. Love it. Um, are we finish. on board with uh, – are we? I'm sh- we'll get to a different one later, but this one, handball, not handball? Cause... Uh, this one looks more handball than the other one because it definitely – The other one being the Rashford one. The Rashford one, yeah. This one looks more of a decision that you could give, but you know, I'm, I'm kind of glad it wasn't. I think the other way around, but I'm not convinced this touches his – I'm not convinced it touches his hand, and that's why. Mm -hmm. When you look at the replay, it goes close, but I'm not sure. It's not conclusive, is it? It kind of looks like it. Yeah, it's pretty – it's tight. I'm not convinced it touches his hand. So either way, we'll get to it later. It bounces up and spins into his elbow as well, which – Well, that's what I'm talking about, though. When it hit – I'm not convinced it hits his elbow. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Because I was looking at it it and I was trying to watch the ball. and Yeah, I saw there was two. It's it's murky. Um, We'll get to the Rashford one later, but I'm sure we both agree that we don't want to see goals disallowed for it anyway. Um, Especially both of these goals. Third goal, icing on the tape. Icing on the cake, not the tape. (laughs) Mikhail Antonio, 3-1. West Ham uh, just going about it now, getting a few results here and there, kind of sneaking their way up a little to 13th. So they're... You know, they got a solid squad and they're going to be right, aren't they? Yeah, they'll middle out. They may end up having a really nice European run, which is potentially what the signings and stuff were geared towards. So, yeah, watch watch out for that. It's that pain of being a club like a club that size. I mean that, no disrespect. I mean like financially, um, to be trying to compete in the Premier League, but not having the biggest squads, but also still trying to compete in Europe as well. Yeah. They're playing a lot of fixtures. So I think there's, is there midweek Premier League this week? Probably. There's football or, on like every nah, three don't, days. I don't think Champions there is, but there's, again. there's probably Champions League again. So that means West Ham are going to have, you know, uh, what are they, Conference or Europa? They're going to have Europa. that again. Yeah. They're going to have that again. Uh, it's a lot of games. It's so yeah. much football. There is Champions League this week. My God. <laughs> yeah. It's fucked, isn't it? <laughs> I can't imagine being a professional footballer right now, especially one with World Cup ambitions. Like you, there was so much on your mind trying to stay fit and healthy for your club side, staying in good form, and then staying injury free to go to the World Cup. Like, geez, man. Yeah. <laughs> a uh, lot next game of the weekend. I'm not sure you want to spend any time on it. Palace leads. Ugh. You happy to well, skip on by? What did you have for it? Are we just going to talk about how I had nothing because I was flicking between golf and Serie A again, so I was watching Italian football. Uh, This is far far more entertaining than these games, these lower to mid-table games at the moment. Depends what you're into. Well, I mean, are you into masochism? Like, you, 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 (laughs) the scene in my mind is like having matchsticks 
pinned between my Clockwork eyelids. Clockwork Orange. Yeah, exactly. Making it's them being... watch Leeds and Palace instead of listening oh, to Beethoven. Or watching fucking Leeds and Villa or watching Leeds <laughs> and anyone recently. So like, it's Leeds. Leeds are the problem. Leeds are part of the problem. So but Leeds this, out. Hashtag Leeds whole... out. Leeds out. Yeah, get rid of them. Disband that's going to be... That's going to be this week's episode name now. Leads out. Good. Sell them to the San, San Fran 49ers. Move the franchise to America. We're done. <laughs> Pack it in. We made the, the MLS. Ho- we made the Holy Grail. We're in the promised land and it sucks. It's like, imagine if you got to heaven and you were like, oh my God, this place sucks. <laughs> I worked all my <laughs> life and I fucking hate it here. <laughs> this is all I've ever wanted. So you want to go back to the championship? I or do you just want to fold? I think I prefer to fold. I think I would just rather have no skin in the game in the in England right now. Okay. Yeah, it's fair. Um, I, I do get more joy out of watching football as a neutral than I do as an Arsenal fan these days, even with Arsenal winning, you know. Mm. I have to say. So I see what you mean. It's not um, even the it's not even the emotional aspect. It's it's just the enjoyment value. Like I can't enjoy a Leeds game because I'm too wound up. That's what I mean. The whole yeah. thing. Yeah. It's the same as how I when I watch an old firm. I'm flicking channels. Like, I just can't watch it. And then if, <laughs> and then it gets to the end and win or lose, you're just kind of like really drained after. And it's like you didn't... Well, when we... The best example probably is when we go to Melbourne Victory Games. Oh, yeah, of course. How you often, go away there. Even a home game, like, when do you ever enjoy the actual an actual Melbourne Victory Game? You know, you look forward to it and you're pumped and you're excited, but then you get in there and it's all nerves and like, you don't want to lose to these fuckers, you know? And then it's just kind of by the end of it, you're like, oh, wow. That, like if you win, it's like, wow, we won. But like, fuck, I'm knackered just from the energy and the emotional investment in it. Yeah. No, you're exactly yeah. right. And that's even without the humiliation of losing so many games that you get relegated. Yeah. There you go. Uh, now I know how Newcastle fans feel when they play Sunderland. You know, hey. the emotional investment so much. <laughs> Rivalry for the ages. I will just say on Palace. <laughs> um uh, Elise and um, that uh, Eze, uh, yep. they they look really good, and they're they're beginning to find regular output. And yep. Palace, Palace, you know, they're exactly what we keep describing them as. They're going to win games, they're going to draw games, they're going to lose games. They're not the best, they're not the worst, uh, but they definitely did enough to be. Yeah, I think I think I said last week they're probably being. Uh, they look like they're just being well coached to a higher level than they're probably capable of. You know. Um, well, that's and what I, it was in this game, is that Vieira, after being beaten for 20 minutes, um, changed his tactics and Marsh had no plan B and Leeds were just rolled from then. They had one shot in the second half. It was in the 91st minute. Yep. Um, comprehensively beat. Your mate Paddy B can't buy a goal at the moment. Oh, my and, God. He does this, hey. And then uh, on the other side, a man who's kind of struggled for goals since moving from Celtic, big signing odds on Edward. He's now got two and two, so... Uh, finding a little bit of form, hopefully. He's a good player, good young player. So I'm hoping he can kind of lift a bit, get he some goals player. to his name. Yeah. Good good start to watch. I don't mind watching Palace. Anyway, moving on. Uh, the Probably the biggest game of the weekend, would you say? Arsenal, Liverpool. It has to be, doesn't it? It has with, to be. With Arsenal being where they're at and I guess the big question all along, um, you know, the memes still getting getting around. When are Arsenal going to capitulate? Um Everyone, they've struggled for years, like a decade, <laughs> against playing the other, like playing as the other big clubs, big clubs, I say in quotes. Um, but Liverpool, 
Rocked up to Anfield, having dispatched Arsenal there last season a couple of times, and um, Arsenal took it to him. Scored inside a minute, got a result, 3-2. Did you catch this one? I did. This is one I was most looking forward to. Um, and did it deliver? This is the thing that I've been tossing up in my mind. You look at the scoreline and you think Arsenal 3-2, Liverpool fought back twice, so it was a tight game. I just I've kind of felt underwhelmed by the whole thing. It didn't seem to match the occasion that it was. And that maybe is because Liverpool are so, not they're not poor, but they're definitely struggling. They're not the same Liverpool they were or have been over the last two to three years. And I just always got the impression Arsenal were the better team and would win the game. Yeah, right. Interesting. I guess from an Arsenal point of view, it was, uh, well, I was with you last week when I (laughs) put a bunch of money on Spurs to win. (laughs) Because I, I was like, oh, Again, I want to, I want to create a win-win situation for myself. Because I, if we do lose this, I want to get some joy out of it. And also, I kind of think we're a chance to lose. And exactly so what we again, were just talking about. I, you know, I was, <laughs> I guess I was quietly confident this time. I thought like Arsenal have shown enough um, for me to know now that they are going to be able to match teams like this. It's just whether or not it happens. But I, I would have expected maybe to come away with. This could have easily been three two the other way, mm-hmm. but I I didn't think it would be like in the past where Arsenal go into this game and you know they lose three one or three nil or something at home. Um, but yeah, I woke woke up three two. I ended up I guess maybe I watched the replay, so maybe that's why. I guess I didn't feel it lived up to the hype either, but maybe that's just because I watched a replay. I don't know. There was just something weird about even the broadcast and the the commentary. We didn't get Peter Drury who was doing it. Um, I think is he licensed just to America now? No, or Peter Drury is like NBC or something, so he's like yeah. American audience only. Yeah, so we've lost we've lost the best commentator in the game, and now that means Jim Proudfoot is their go to guy, so he gets all yeah. these games, and I and don't. He doesn't do it for me. He didn't do it for me in this either, and they had their mix incorrect with the crowd volume, so he was much louder than it almost felt like he wasn't there at the game, and he was very. Well, he would have been. He would have been definitely, but the way that they'd mixed it, it sounded like he wasn't. And he was very just reactive to the occasion, just commenting on what was happening rather than, you know, the good commentators preempt the moment, they build the moment. And so when it actually does go in, you feel the excitement and it matches the cacophony of noise, but there wasn't that. I've I've never been too big a fan of Proudfoot as a commentator, but he's their go-to guy now. He did the North London derby last week as well. He does all the big games now, so um, yeah, we're, it's a bit we're of a, stuck it's with him. A bit of a shame. But, you know, it could also be the fact that both of Liverpool's goals came from kind of isolated attacks and they scored in moments that were against the run of play and it, it just it didn't feel like a game-changing moment when they scored. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think we can talk about the penalty, but there's a lot, been a lot made about that and mm-hmm. saying Arsenal only won because of that. But I think... It, Taking that away, I think Arsenal much like they deserved their win. They were the better team. Yeah, definitely. They're tactically better. You know, the willingness for the ball, the way that they set up, uh, the way that they expose Liverpool were trying to overload areas in the midfield and on the wing. And so there were many occasions where there yeah. was four or five Liverpool players in very tight spaces that Arsenal were just able to play out of. Uh, Tommy Yasu was great. Uh, ben White, you know, they had the the wide men. Obviously, Saka had a fantastic game despite the goals. He was instrumental in everything and absolutely, you know, causing chaos for everyone involved on the pitch. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, 
had his. Well, can can we go through? I want to go through. Each <sighs> Let's do goal the goals. Then. I have yeah. I have a comment or two on each. Um, finishing with the penalty, but um, the first one, I've seen. Trent is copying a lot for this first goal, and as you know, I'm I'm big on. I don't think he's that great a defender to begin with. I'm not sure he's done anything wrong in this one. Um, obviously the goal comes from Martinelli. He's Martinelli's, you know, he's meant to be marking Martinelli. It's his guy, but the goal comes from Liverpool losing it in their, their kind of on the edge of their attacking third. Yeah. Arsenal come down their right. So Liverpool's left and Saka has way too much time and space. And once Saka has that time and space, he runs at the defense, he finds Erdegaard and all of a sudden Erdegaard's running with, Martinelli streaming through, and it's it's basically Erdegaard v Erdegaard and Martinelli v Trent in that situation, and he's mm. just to slot it through for him. I don't, exactly. I'm not sure Trent did anything wrong. No, you, I think you're exactly right. The, the two centre backs were way too stagnant. They they were very square. Neither of them wanted to get out and actually press the uh, Erdegaard on the ball, and that's what happened. And they were so easily sliced apart the way that the ball moves in between them like that. Yeah. Um, good finish though, and what, dude? What a way to start the game. That is, yeah, that's just the excitement that Arsenal have been playing with at the moment. With that, it's they're so dynamic that front third, and Odegaard's a big part of that. He's so good to watch. Um, and then yeah, like you said, Liverpool kind of just springing one out of nowhere. Darwin Nunes scores. Uh, do you have anything to say about this goal? Because I do. Uh, well, I mean, it's a mistake, isn't it? From um, is it Saliba that doesn't quite um, close the ball down? Gives uh, Luis Diaz a sniff, and yeah, you know you're in a one-on-one situation no, with the striker in the no, box. The ball, the ball comes through in the air, and Gabriel kind of it's does Gabriel. Get to it, and yeah. he kind of throws a leg at it and gets a toe to it, and then he's the one that has to track because he's lost it. Saliba has to go across. That's it. Um, and he has to cover the middle. He has to cover the middle. He has to cover Nunes, and Nunes gets a tap in, and then decides it'd be a good idea to do a fake crying celebration the, to the Arsenal fans. The cry baby. Why? Why did he do that? Classic. Try and fill me in on why he would do this. Well, I mean, there's reason A, he's a madman. He's definitely a madman. Reason B, he has very little self-awareness. He's definitely got very little (laughs) self-awareness. And number C, he's just a glutton for punishment, man. He sets himself up. He's definitely a glutton for punishment. That's my thing is this guy is just like obviously new to the league. Uh, (laughs) Got sent off. Villain written all over him, hey. Got sent off for being an idiot. Last week he's come out um saying he doesn't understand. he still he doesn't understand clock. That's probably not a quiz, that's just a language barrier thing, but I'm gonna use it against him. Um <laughs> and you say think that, he's a he's a bigot. And say that he's been complaining. Oh, oh I can't understand <laughs> him. Um oh, just speak English. <laughs> and then he celebrates like this with a after scoring a tap in and the only chance his team's had all day. When there's still seventy minutes or sixty minutes on the clock, come on, man! It was so early. It was just too early to be dishing that yeah. shit out. That's an eighty-fourth minute celebration. Just read the room. In the future, Darwin, read the room. Yeah. Now, the third goal, Arsenal second. I think we can maybe give a bit more to Trent for this one, uh, but also Martinelli is just super fast and good. Is he's just a fucking really good twenty-one-year-old footballer? He consistently. Is. Like you said, it's dyna- it's dynamic, and it's it's Arteta coaching them to be able to run into areas that exploit spaces that fullbacks, centre backs, yeah. DMs leave. I, They're well drilled. 
I'm going to go a bit of both ways here. Like there's um, there's the case that when you're someone as fast as Martinelli, it doesn't matter how fast you are. If he's got the ball, he's got the advantage. All he has to do is do a quick little swivel like he did and he's open. Um, so there's that. But there's also that I think Trent and Jordan Henderson are both going to close him and they kind of maybe could have just communicated better and just stood him up better with two of them, but they mm-hmm. don't. He kind of cuts inside and they they both follow through and he just squares it through and Saka scores a tap in. Off we go. There was the overloading of the defensive positions again where you had six Liverpool players and ending up tracking Martinelli's space. And then there was yep. the the cent- central runner and Saka all by himself on the back post. It's They're just defensively uh, in disarray when the ball is turned over at the moment. And it's really bizarre to see. Yeah. Um, Liverpool's equaliser. Not long after halftime, Roberto Firmino. My comment on this is that Firmino just needs to be starting for them right now. Like he, he's now got more goals this season than he did last season for Liverpool. Shit. Already. That's a great stat. My and he's, he's looked in form. He looks sharp in the box. His finishing is elite. And we saw that again with that chance he tucked away. So well done him. Just play him, Jürgen. Stop with this Nunes guy as a dickhead. Play Firmino. Just do it. Yeah, but, you know, they both scored. Is there a way to play mm. them both together? Or does this, this turns into a Bamford-Rodrigo situation? Come on. It's too hard. You do If you're going to play one up front, you've got to have the balls to just bench one of them, right? And I, I guess just trying to keep Nunes happy because they paid the money and they got to yeah. maybe not keep him happy, but, you know, they paid the money so he feels like... Satisfy the investment, him. yeah. But, uh, you know, Firmino's sitting there and he's a gun and he always has been. Use him. Uh Firmino is just crying out for like a move to Brighton or something like that. Or Newcastle, like, oh, you could see him really lighten it up for one of those teams. Maybe. I still, I think he's still better than that. He's a top top five or six club player. Uh, Bukayo Saka's got the winner with a penalty. Uh, very quickly, we've spent too long on this game already, but pen or not? Uh, look, from a purely selfish standpoint, uh, if we're going to talk multi-killers, I... deviated away from just pure results this weekend. Same game multis are my new thing. Uh, In this particular fixture had Darwin Nunes to have two shots on target, tick. Gabriel Martinelli to have one shot on target, tick. And Thiago to be booked. So in this situation, if he's given away the penalty, he should be booked. He's (laughs) he's not booked. and so He shouldn't have been booked. Yep, so it's not a penalty. So that's where I sit on this. You, you, can't, think, you can't rob me of my multi and then expect me to call that a penalty. You think a penalty has to be a yellow? I think in this situation, yeah, because you, you're adjudicating that he's stopped Hazels uh, oh, from having a shot at goal, which he hasn't done. Come on. So it's, he's not, he shouldn't have been booked and it shouldn't be a penalty. He I, can't wait. I can't wait to bring this up with you another time when it happens in a Leeds game. <laughs> it probably will. and It'll go against us and I'll be fucking furious. <laughs> And you'll say it's never a yellow you'll get and all 20, those things. You'll get 20 messages in your inbox. Yeah. This is an outrage. Um, no, I don't think it's a penalty. It's such incidental contact. I, it I don't is. Know, man. Yeah. I'm not sold on it either, but I'll take it. So, Of course. It's the, way, nice. it's the way Jesus goes down. He sort of throws himself, does a little turn. You don't do that action for the contact. Seeing it. Yeah. And there's no way that... Because um, Thiago's not... S- wildly swinging at the ball to punt it away there. He's trying to take a touch. Yeah. 
<laughs> trying to just, beat him to take a touch there. Yeah, just so there's no way clear. that there's no way that that contact contact causes the amount of pain that Gabriel Jesus was apparently in. So I just don't have time for that shit from players. I hate it. It's embarrassing. Yep. All right. Thank you. That's enough time on that game. Good game. You be pleased. Arsenal, are they the real deal? Top two this season? Uh, top two would be a win, wouldn't it? It would be great. In a I league that has it. City and Holland. Mm. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Everyone, everyone's playing second. Um, Man United, we don't really get to shit on them this week unless you want to talk about them being horrible in the... Champions oh, League, in Europe. League against Ammonia. <laughs> Champions but League. Come on, Sam. What year is it? Against uh, Ammonia. The, uh, isn't that the disease you get from like off <laughs> seafood? Isn't it the disease you get from being cold and old? It's like when seafood is like rotting. I don't know. Uh, Everton, one. Manchester United, two. The GOAT on the score sheet is 700th, I believe, for United. Yes. And, feed uh, him. Feed him. Or, or his 700th goal. What a, yeah, what a 700. King. Club career goals. Uh, yeah, so, huge. I've got the list here. It's 20 years and two days he's been playing football. So he's scored five for sporting, 118 in Manchester United's first spell, 450 exactly for Real Madrid. He's got yeah. a hundred. Sorry? Oh, sorry, go on. Yeah. He scored 101 for Juventus, which I was surprised at. Way yeah. more than I thought he got. Yeah. He and carried them. He did, didn't he? Yeah, he carried them. When you when you reflect on it, he really did. I mean, that's where all their money went. So well, they don't do. Since he left, they fucking suck. <laughs> they do suck, isn't it? Great. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then yeah, twenty six in his second spell at United. That's seven hundred career goals. Yeah, it's pretty insane. One of the absolute goats. I'm not interested in the debate about who's better. Yeah, um, who cares? What I will say though, looking at this, you go through. I didn't get a chance to see this game. Not sure if you did, but. <laughs> Just going off the impact moments, Martial assist. Why doesn't he always start? Ronaldo goal. Get him on there. He'll score. Casemiro, the man you signed for big money, gets an assist as well. Plam. That's why, it. Why was Ronaldo on the bench against City? Why was Casemiro on the bench against City? Why was Martial on the bench against City? And then came on and scored too. Their pundits are now saying that this is how Ten Hag does things. He's slow to introduce players into his teams. I mean... They're just writing the script now as they observe what's happening and then apply. No one's, none of these guys, Michael Owen, Pulp Skulls, Roy Keane, they've not watched Ten Hag manage Ajax and everyone before that. They have got no idea. Uh, but yeah, Casemiro's first start had a really good chance with a header that he put wide that he should have scored. Uh, he gets the assist, I believe, for Ronaldo. He got the situation. assist for the Ronaldo goal, yep. And it just, by playing him, you can play Ericsson and Fernandez in midfield. And this is the perfect kind of game for that midfield three. And it's it's it doesn't feel like a conventional United midfield. Um, it seems a little bit older and a little bit more blingy in a way. They're a little bit tried and tested. They've played for big teams. Now they've come to United at the end of their careers, so to speak. Not not Fernandez. I'm speaking more about Ericsson Casemiro. Yeah. Um but oh, it, it is Bruno. I'm not sure. Twenty pretty young, isn't he? Yeah, I wouldn't put him in the in the category of Ericsson and Casemiro, but this may be twenty eight. Twenty eight. This may be you know the best thing that they can possibly do at this point because they don't have kids coming through, and the big signings of Pogba is gone, and Fred isn't really that effective. So whatever works works, I suppose. And this could be this could be the new United fashion. They bring in thirty plus former winners out of different leagues and um, try and 
jigsaw piece a team together that can be competitive. Yeah, and like you said at the start of the episode, they've just obviously planted themselves up in fifth now after what seemed like a disaster start. I think it just every time they lose, we're going to take the piss. So it seems like they're worse than they are. (laughs) But it's definitely the lens we take. You go through that squad and, you know, they are good. They have good (laughs) players. They just need to get it stringing together. Ten Hag needs to sort his shit out. I'm not convinced that Maguire's the massive problem everyone says. He's obviously not good, but, like, he's not horrendous, is he? Is he horrendous? It comes down to the question, who would you rather, Maguire or Lindelof? And I'm not sure. Jesus, gun to my head. I'm Yeah, that's it. (laughs) That's it. Honestly, don't know. I'll play Fred at centre-back or McTominay. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you who has been a good signing, though, Anthony. Scored another really good goal. That's three and three. Um, He's actually the first ever player to score in his first three games as a new signing for Mank Red. Oh, there you go. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. I um I took the piss a bit when they signed him because they spent heaps of money and he he didn't even score 10 goals for Atalanta uh, mm. Atalanta Ajax last season. Um but here we are. He's got 3 and 3 so he's well on the way. He is and well it, on the way. His goal I didn't I don't think we did it enough justice last week in the derby but his goal against City was Oh, it's a beauty, wasn't it? It was a beauty. That should definitely be nommed for one of the goals of the month. Yeah. We'll stand up well. Yeah, that was a beautiful goal. Uh, This again, great finish. Um, And that puts puts Anthony at three and Sinistera at two. Yeah. Uh, Do you want to have a moment to talk about the Rashford disallowed goal? Because, you know, we talked about the Skamaka one for West Ham with the handballs, the United one. Give Sir Rashford the goal. This is... You're hearing me advocating now for a Manchester United goal. This Same. is how ridiculous this is. Same. Uh, the a, whole great bit of play. I haven't heard this before. I heard it in the commentary, the whole factual thing about, you know, if it hits your arm, no matter what, and it ends in a goal that it's handball. But that just, it's bizarre to me that if Rashford misses that, then it's not handball. Mm. And so, it's just play so we're now not giving handball based on whether or not it was handball. We're giving it based on whether or not <laughs> something happens after, which is just fucking ridiculous to me. I don't understand it. That doesn't, yeah, that doesn't make any logical sense whatsoever. And when you go out to write rules for a game, that is the fucking worst way to write a rule. I said to you before we recorded this tonight, I said, well, he would have literally been, as soon as he, if you feel it hit your hand, you're better off just standing there and not scoring mm-hmm. and waiting, like maybe kick it into the keeper and win a, penalty or something uh, win a corner you know if you can yeah yeah try and do something else like it's it's bizarre to me that we give the rule based on what happens after the actual incident it's so stupid (laughs) yep we're caught in that great uh, great area between uh you know rules written for human application and now video review there's by bringing this in there had to be more consideration for uh, incidents like this and there hasn't so We're stuck with these weird irregularities. We are. are. All right. I think we're done for the Premier League. It was a good weekend. This week. Um, It was a good weekend, I suppose. Some good results. Was it? At the start of the the week, we said it wasn't. I know, but after we've (laughs) talked about it, I feel better about it. I'm like, (laughs) it's like that thing where you study for like a unit, a a trimester, semester, and then at the end, you know, you hate it. And then at the end, you're like, okay, that was all right. I guess I learned something. At the start, you hate it. Yeah. At the start, I hate it. Enduring. And during, for, the, right. for the whole 90 minutes. I'm like, why am I watching this? You know what I don't hate? 
Syria. I love yes. it. As you all know, here we are. You're ready this for this week's Syria pod, Sam. Are you ready for this week's Italian rap? We should oh, get we, we should get a two Italian guys like us to do an Italian version of Night Shift. You reckon? Yeah. And then we could guess guest on it. I'll put it in the list of things that I'm not really high prioritizing. Okay. Uh, but okay, thanks for your thanks for your opinion. That was just a thought bubble out, out yeah. loud, sorry. Okay. All right. <laughs> Are you ready for this week's Italian rap? Hell yeah. Boy, oh boy, there's plenty. Uh, I don't really know where to start. Oh, my God, I guess I'll start with Saturday night. Uh, Sassuolo, into I mentioned briefly very earlier, Inter got a win there. Not a big deal. But, <laughs> well, that, you know, they should be beating Sassuolo if they're in the mix for the title, which they are. So good three points for them. Milan-Juve, though, is an absolute cracker of a fixture, and it was again. Milan won this 2-0, goes to Tomori. And Brahim Diaz scored an excellent goal. If you haven't seen the highlights for this, go watch the highlights and check out Brahim Diaz's goal. Um, it's one of the, like, Vlahovic turns it over in the attacking half and he just pounces on it and he just dashes away and he knocks, he does the old thing where you knock it around the defender and then run onto it. Nice. It's, it's brilliant. And then he gets away from a lunging slide tackle from Bonucci and he just, he gets a bit lucky with the finish, comes off Chesney's hand, but. Still did all the hard work. It was brilliant. Um, the most interesting thing in this game, though, I'll tell you, something we don't see a whole lot of is Milan had they, when they, sco- they scored their first goal off a corner, Tomori scored, they had a play, the play where they won the corner, there was a foul in the build-up that the referee missed, and had Milan scored, it probably would have been chalked off by VAR for a foul in the build-up. But because they didn't score, they got a corner. Obviously, there's no VAR check. But oh my god! Sc- but then they score from the corner, and obviously they can't they can't VAR check it because it's a new play, new phase, and uh, and they've scored and they take the one one nil lead. Oh, that's perfect symmetry from what we were just talking about. This is yeah, decisions and non decisions now highly impacting games of football where they would be called on a usual basis and then are not. Oh, this is getting. Crazy, Sam. This is like one of those Goosebumps Choose Your Own Adventure books. It wasn't you've like... Got, you got to choose which page to flick to. <laughs> goosebumps. It wasn't horrendous, but it was definitely one of those ones where VAR would have looked at it and they likely would have given a foul in the build-up. Because they um, do love to do that. They love to come back yeah. and give an incidental foul in the middle of the it's, part. It's one of those ones for anyone that likes to listen to The Guardian. Uh, Jonathan Wilson always talks about deliberately not scoring. <laughs> If you, I think you said that to me in a message as well. Is having the intelligence to like, mm. if you know there's been a foul in the build-up, to just not score from that play and let it come off an opposition player or something first and restart a new phase. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they didn't deliberately do that, but that's just how it worked, and they got the goal, and then Juve complained, and it was delicious. <laughs> that's another thing that football will end up um, being refereed, kind of like rugby. I think with the way that they figure out phases of play and how they continue sets of six and stuff like that. That'll end up being like a football lexicon. Not a set of six idea, but the idea that we're in active play and we're in non-active play and stuff like that, where players are, they're cognizant of it. Uh, That a big result for Milan, given that, you know, they lost to Napoli, um, you know, the the loss, I guess, to Chelsea during the week as well, not that great. So to to beat a rival, one up at the top of the table with them, big result. 
they add it on to they they I think they drew with Atalanta this season as well. True. And yeah. they they managed to beat Inter and now Juve's. So that's what you need to do if you want to defend your title. But um, not too bad. We'll get to Napoli in a sec, but they're well, absolutely I mean, fine. And they beat Udinese too, who looked like a surprise packet out of nowhere. Yeah, they beat Udinese on the opening day of the season after going 1-0 down 30 seconds in. Mm. Uh, Torino Empoli, not a whole <laughs> a one-all draw. I guess no one really cares about these two teams unless you watch it religiously like I do. But Mattia Destro for Empoli scored an overhead kick after coming on at half time, three minutes later, he scored an overhead kick. And <laughs> it's one of those goals. It's just like, it's just ridiculous. And it's also, he's one of those players that um, he's only 31, but it feels like he's been around for 40 years already. So it feels like, he's, feels like he's an absolute veteran, but he's he's one of those class number nines that just, you get the ball in the box, he'll kind of put a half chance away. Um, very it's good. Well done. Probably, probably about to hit his peak in Italy, Game, 31. <laughs> Game of the night, Sunday. Um, Udinese played Atalanta it wouldn't usually be like a massive fixture but given that Udinese was sitting up in third and Atalanta was second this was huge Atalanta went 2-0 up away from home um, and then they came back they came back old Udinese they've got some of the guys in this team they've they've recruited some old experience they've been there for a few seasons now but they're just they're just gelling so well they've got the Brazilian, a Brazilian fellow up front next to Gerard de la Fau, if you remember him. I do, yes. Was at Barcelona and then Everton. Everton. Yeah. And then I believe Real, oh, Real Betis, I think, before going to Udinese. But he scored his first goal of the season and it was an absolute cracker. And then they equalized with 10 minutes to go. Keeps them third, which is just, it's it's crazy to me right now. That's It's probably like, it's a bigger deal than when Brighton were in the top four, I think. Who would you liken it to? Like Southampton being third? Yeah, I reckon. Yeah, Southampton. <laughs> or t- a team that's been kind of lingering above relegation the last few years and just yeah. avoid so maybe Southampton, just avoiding it yep. by the skin of their teeth a bit and then uh, just having this cracking season. And yeah, they're right up there sitting third. Still, Monza won again, three wins in a row after they beat Juve. How a few good weeks is back. this? They, How good is were, Monza? They were dead bottom. Um, and then they beat Juve, and since they've won two more, so three three on the trot. Uh, Roma beat Lecce, and our man Chris Smalling scored again. Oh, get in you. there! Anyone from United that's struggling, go to Roma. Go You're to fine. Roma. Yeah, you'll make the uh, World Cup squad. I'm telling you. Paolo Dybala scored the winner from the spot and Lovely. injured his groin. I think or he injured something in the process because no way uh, while shooting. Yeah, he took the penalty and then he was limping uh, after he <laughs> kicked the penalty and he came off straight away. So, oh uh, Jesus! And he looked he looked a bit sad. So that could be a little while. And we'll finish with Napoli beating Cremonese. Um, they should be winning these. They weren't at their best, but then this Napoli side at the moment they're so deadly that in the last twenty minutes they pile on three goals and win four one. And they just look when they get on these runs they're untouchable. We saw them destroy Liverpool. Um, They've now they've destroyed half the Italian league now as well, and they are absolutely flying. Yep, purring as well. Uh, I watched the last half an hour of this because I was very nervous for my multi, thinking this should be a Napoli shoe in. And yeah, they as soon as the second goal went in, um, it was just heads dropped, and the real Napoli show started. Uh, Simeone, who you've mentioned a few times yeah. in this pod before, Giovanni Simeone. Oh, he looks like a brilliant pickup for them. He's excellent. Yeah. 
Um, I think he came off the bench as well. So to bring a weapon like that on to try and score goals in tight moments. Brilliant. Yeah, because they're they're coming off the uh, the weekend where they, uh, sorry, midweek where they, they put six past Ajax. Did they really? Did they? I missed this. <laughs> in the Champions League. Do you want to quickly Google that? Napoli <laughs> but I believe they reckon. I believe they put six past Ajax. Um also uh Raspadori started up front for Napoli. They picked him up this year as well. Raspadori uh was in the same Sassuolo team as Skamaka, who we said has been doing really well at West Ham. Nice. They were the two the two young strikers that were, you know, a few big clubs were looking at them and then didn't quite pull the trigger. But Napoli pulled the trigger on Raspadori and got him. West Ham pulled the trigger on Skamaka and got him. They're both Two young Italian strikers that are just turning it on and uh, still playing well. Light it up. Yeah, they did. They went behind and then put six on and beat Ajax 6-1. Six, 6-1 one. Six, one against Ajax. There you go. Yeah, they put six on. So um, they In know what Holland. they're doing. Yeah. And they're sitting firmly atop. And that's my Italian wrap for the week. Thank you, Sam. That was great. God, Serie A's good. This should be a Serie A-led uh, podcast now. <laughs> just Serie A. That's all yeah. we'll do. And then we'll do 10 minutes of Prem at the end. <laughs> English, go back to calling it the English first division. Yeah, exactly. We'll throw the crumbs out. There you go. You think yeah. it's the best league in the world? Shall we finish with the Classica? Yes. What a game. Oh my yeah. God. Did you expect it going into it? Uh, I did not. So for those not knowing, the Classica is the fixture between Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund. Um, like I guess it's Spanish for El Clas- uh, German for El Clasico. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. What is it? German for big blue. De Klassica. German for the big blue. Brilliant OG rivalry. Um, wow. I just I don't know where to start with this one. What have you got for me? I just for me this game, and I compared it directly to Arsenal Liverpool. Maybe not fair because it's not the biggest game in England, but it's of a similar ilk. This game had atmosphere. It had two teams willing to attack one another, like really unashamedly uh, just scarce defensively. Obviously they've got good defenders, but at the same time, they weren't too afraid of either opposition attackers exposing them because they flooded forward to attack. And it was so much better to watch than most of the big games in the Prem. Um, you know, rescuing a point, even though it's like against a faltering Bayern in a game that didn't have Haaland or Lewandowski for the first time in ages, it still lived up to the billing. And you know, I'm sure you loved it as well. There was a battle of the Wonder Kids in there, Bellingham versus Mushiala. Who came out on top? I thought they were both pretty good. Yeah, this was my blurry-eyed, very early Sunday morning watch. And, man, it I, I nearly – I wanted to turn it off at 2-0 and Sane scored. A ripper goal, by the way. Just Great goal. Just real hard. Keeper gets a hand to it, but he's just absolutely – he's probably just about snapped his shoulder out. Yeah, he's hard, it, he's, he's, he's hard kicked it. He's hard kicked it. <laughs> and the first goal as well, like uh, Leon Goretzka, he just like, he's one of those players, he gets a half a sniff outside the box and he just slots them in the corner on the ground, like low and hard into the corner. He's just so good at it. I'm classy, classy finish. It's really annoying. It's It would be particularly satisfying for him being former Schalke as well. Yeah, it would. Um, but then, yeah, Dortmund come back, 74th minute, Makoko scores. He he just he broke a record the other week, being the youngest player to ever score in a Riviera derby when he scored against Schalke, and now he's the youngest ever player to score in a De Classica as well. Seventeen um, years old. He has confirmed his status as like 
the most bought potential player in the new FIFA. Yeah. Uh, both my both my house or oh, one of my housemates has got it and he was showing me who's in his scouting list and I saw him Coco there and I was like, yeah, he everybody is gonna sign him in career mode this season. Him and Bellingham, they're gonna be the ones, aren't they? It's just I how did Dortmund keep doing it year after year, unearthing yeah. and that they, they come onto the scene almost world class ready and like you can see yeah. that they're gonna make the next step. He did um I don't know if he saw the the Champions League during the week, Dortmund severe, but um, Jude Bellingham scored a fantastic goal, and he was more mm-hmm. the arm. He's been wearing the armband since Rose has been out as well. I read he was um, best on in that game. Yeah, but Makoko did this. He got in a. Oh, he didn't get an assist, but he did this thing where the ball came at him at like kind of sh- knee height, and he was his body shape was all wrong, and he did this touch where he took it up in the air over the defender, and then ran onto it and hit the shot, forced a save, and. They scored from it, and it was just like wow! Like he, like it was definitely deliberate. He knows what he's doing, but he's seventeen. The guy's a monster, raw talent. Yeah, that's it as well. Do you think he's a uh, seventeen or seventeen? <laughs> I think he's seventeen. <laughs> we'll, we'll go with it. Um, Who are we to question the validity of someone's age? Let's be real. The equalizer came so dramatically in the ninety-fifth minute. Um, Dorman had a shot kind of saved or there was one blocked and it looked like it was no they had a a wayward pass or something and it looked like it was going out for a goal kick and their centre back somehow is the one that's getting there was that the centre back that rescued uh, it Nico that, Schlotterbeck yeah he that was amazing. In, rescues it keeps it in and then he just hooks one into the back post and Anthony Modest Anthony Modest came I believe he came from Mönchengladbach Okay. Might have been Wolfsburg, might have been Werder Bremen. It's one of those three. Um, <laughs> but he he's the man they got in to replace, <laughs> you know, he's the man they got in to replace Holland. Obviously, Ooh. he's not Holland, and, but that's not his fault, you know. He's just, he's the guy that they scouted that they thought would be able to do a job, and it's led to them playing a two up front with him and Makoko. Um, but he got his first goal in not, I don't think it's his first goal in the Bundesliga for Dortmund, but it's his first goal uh, at home for Dortmund. So, yeah. um, and in front sparked, of the yellow wall as well, it sparked absolute scenes. I saw a clip. Uh, they did it. They put together this clip of like fan footage and the broadcast footage. Mm-hmm. They also there was a camera on like I think it's Oliver Kahn, that nutcase idiot. I saw Oliver Kahn's reaction. Yeah, <laughs> that that guy is a straight up Fruit Loop. I'm telling you. <laughs> When it looks like he's trying to swallow himself into his seat, <sighs> but yeah, the absolute scenes that ensue are just unreal. Yeah, I've seen like um, obviously the Dortmund Stadium just go nuts over good results, but nothing like that. I don't think they're just. It felt like, and because it had been so long since Dortmund had taken a point off of Bayern as well. Absolutely, the, co- the collective relief, the weight that was lifted, and the amount of booze I saw go up in the air was just brilliant. I love that yeah. kind of celebration. Yeah, the the frustrating thing when you look at the table, I guess now is that like Bayern are now creeping up there, and they're they're four points off the top, but they've had four wins, four draws, and a loss. Frustrating thing for Dortmund is they've had five wins, only one draw, three losses. Yeah, and those losses are just oh, if you can just grind a point or two here and there. So it was huge for them to grind this point out, and it keeps them kind of with them. It's still just a case of I think Bayern will just. At some point, Bayern are going to do that thing where they win 12 games in a row. But yeah, yeah. 
Usually after the winter break, isn't it? They come back and they just absolutely demolish teams. Just obliterate um, everyone. Yeah. And they're untouchable. How do you think uh, Modest is going to go? Because he missed at 2-1 that open goal, um, which was, he's obviously made up for it with the back post header in the 96th minute. But those are kind of chances. Any striker that you bring in, you'd hope is tapping them away. I was surprised they signed him. Mm-hmm. I thought there had to be maybe someone better or bigger that they could maybe go after. It's not really their style, I guess, to go after an established bigger name player like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a good point. But but with you know the money that they received, obviously you've got the yeah yeah. I don't know. They're just they're never a club that's going to pay overs for someone though if they can't if they can get away with it. And they obviously scouted. He was a good player, but I think he's definitely the mid table kind of. You know, he'll bag you a bunch of goals and maybe get you to Europa League and then he could be handy for you there. But I'm not sure he's going to score too many. I'm definitely much more excited about Makoko. Yeah, I mean, in a season's time, he could be just leading the line by himself without any need for a secondary striker. So that is exactly where all of their focus is going to go into. Um, I did mention mention, uh, Musiala before. He's obviously Bayern's big talent right now. He got two assists. He looks unbelievable, doesn't he? Yeah, definitely um, <laughs> one that they've plucked out, and he just another annoying Bayern thing where they're just gonna he's gonna take the piss and be a star forever for them, isn't he? He is. Yeah, I was, I was looking up Musiala before. I think was he the one that had uh, youth? He played youth for Chelsea, I think. Yeah, he did. And he's the guy. He's got English and German heritage, and so yeah. he could have picked between either or. And he his youth career was Southampton, Chelsea, Chelsea for eight years, um, and then goes to Bayern Munich in 2019, and is pretty much immediately elevated in the in the year the first year on after that to the first yeah. team. Um, and this just looks like another player that Chelsea let slip through their fingers. Yeah, potentially. You just you just never know, do you? Well, yeah, given Chelsea signed 40-odd, well, they used to, when the rules allowed it, signed 40-odd players and just um, threw shit gonna, against the wall. They're going to have a few slip through the cracks, aren't they? Yeah, they are. But uh, just a wild talent. And that was so fun to watch him and Bellingham line up in the same game. God, yeah. th- those two German teams have such raw potential mixed with the perfect amount of experience. Um, well, Bayern do. I'm not sure Dortmund do at the moment. They just have but, the raw potential. Mm, yeah, Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, Dortmund definitely got more room to improve. Um, Bayern Munich that, yeah, like you said, they're going to creep up and do their thing. Do you think they'll have a good shout in the Champions League this season? Or They're in a tough group. They're in a sticky situation. Yeah, they're going to be there. They'll be there in the last kind of eight, four in that range. So, yep. Fantastic. Yeah, that was probably my game of the weekend across Europe. Yeah, fair. Absolute cracker. Uh, I think we've gone on long enough, this one, so... <laughs> oh, yeah, shit, we have wrapped it up. Should we wrap it up? Yeah, that'll do. That was a good weekend of football, Sam. I was... Uh, I didn't really want to talk about Leeds, but there was a lot of stuff that happened that was nice. That was good. A lot of stuff. And there'll be more stuff next week, probably, because there's just football so non-stop. Just fucking keeps just going. We're going to... Bloody ends. Forever and ever. Ever and ever. Yeah. Rick and Morty forever. Stay tuned uh, for a Adelaide edition later in the week. We'll talk about Adelaide's annoying draw with uh, West Sydney. That'll be coming up. So keep West an Sydney, eye out for that. Uh, Wellington. <laughs> Wellington. Similar. 
It's very late. It's 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 very late in the night. Anything east of South Australia, we don't really care about. Nah, if you're not asked, fuck yeah. So stay tuned for that one. Keep an eye on the socials. Have a good week, folks. Yeah, I love every single one of you.